Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Bangra Podcast. My name is Omar. And I know it's been quite a while since the last episode, but I'm hoping to change that this upcoming season. So keep checking us out on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to us. And check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at the Bhangra Pod. Anyways, today we have an amazing conversation with some of the board members of RDR. Honestly, I learned so much from this conversation. I hope y'all take as much out of it as I did. And without further ado, let's get on with it. Hi, my name is Ram Mahalangam, and welcome to another episode of the Bummer Podcast. I am here with members, I guess I, guess I should call you guys organizers, that's the, the proper term, organizers mm-hmm. of, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, no, I'm going to butcher <laughs> this. Is it Ronnie and the Ironic? Is that how I pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, it's Ronnie and the Ironic, come on. Because you guys say it with a little bit more pizzazz, right? Like you go like, Ronnie and the Ironic with like the little bit of the R. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Bring the swag of a woman. Come on now. Bring the swag of a woman. Is that on the t-shirt officially? Can I buy that? Or is that... Yeah, we can buy that. You can't buy that. Oh, <laughs> my God. Wow. Okay. Well, I now, now, I now know where I stand in this conversation. So, hey, thank you, ladies. <laughs> thank you, ladies, for joining us. Um, I, I, my name is Ram. Uh, Omer's in the back, obviously, working with the, the sound, helping cutting us together. Um, but wanted to give you guys a moment to just briefly introduce yourselves and talk about some of your experiences in and outside of the Bunger circuit, as well as any dance experience you might have. And also, you know, give us a little something about yourself outside of dancing as well. Perfect. Cool. Um, okay, I can start. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Nithneet. Um For Ronak, I am the judging and registration chair. Uh, before that, I've been on DCBC now for like six seven years, who really knows, um, done a bunch of things, been dancing the entire time, was captain for almost two, two and a half years. Before that, did some college bonga at GW. Oh, GW. <laughs> um, and then while I was at school, I also helped plan blowout, did um, judging and registration uh, my junior year and helped, I guess, with that throughout my time in college in general. Um, what do I do outside of dancing and work? Honestly, <laughs> do we all do anything else besides these things? I don't know. Um, fun fact: I recently got engaged. Woo! Oh, congrats! Thanks. I um, didn't think I didn't think people in the Bunger Sugar got married. I thought you were just married to dancing. Married so. to the art form. I know, right? Married to the <laughs> art form. There it is. True, my second life partner. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, hi everyone. I'm Mukta, um, and I am Rania Dironak's sponsorship chair and programming co-chair. I have also been on DCBC for like four or five years. Um, before that, and kind of during, I was on GW Bogota. I was captain of GW Bogota for like a year. <laughs> uh, I also directed blowout, Hunger um, Blowout, in 2017. And um, have definitely competed a bunch, um, have danced alongside Namit and Sanya for a while. Um, and outside of Bhangra, I live in D.C. I work with D.C. youth in the city, um, helping with employment services. Um, I get bullied by them every day, but I love them. Do you and teach them Bhangra at all? Can, huh? Do you teach them Bhangra at all? Um, no, but they really think that I'm, they're like, they're like, oh, Miss Mokta, you can't dance. And I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, but I also do stand-up comedy, so I'm very funny. She's also a birthnatum birth prodigy. Yes, that's true. In my youth. Oh. <laughs> okay, that's all right. It's real. I'm not making that up. It's true. 
with that, don't really know how to follow that one, but uh, my name is Sonia. I am the co-hospitality chair for Ronak. I was on or am on DCBC and have been since uh, 2017, so a couple of years. Uh, before that, I went to uh, Washington University in St. Louis and danced on their Barna team for all four years, uh, was captain at one point, and then moved to DC. Um, now I'm living in New York and I fleetingly am dancing, I guess, with SMD. Um, and <laughs> just can't stop dancing, really. Um, but outside of Barna and Roanoke, I am actually in law school. So just finished my first year here in New York. Uh, go have two more years. And yeah, besides that, I guess I like to dance and sing. So pretty classic brown girl narrative over here. But <laughs> so, so ladies, talk to me a little bit about Roanoke. You know, it's, it's happened. It's here. I know there was a big reveal across a lot of social media and there was a lot of buzz coming into this you know what was kind of the impetus of starting this and you know what are the goals like why are you trying to start this comp um and what do you hope to really achieve with the competition coming and going sure um so as we all just kind of articulated we've all three of us been competing for many years in the bummer circuit both collegiate and independent circuits um everybody on our board has um, competed a bunch and as one of the the oldest all women's dance teams bunger teams in the country um, we come from a lineage of women who have been competing for years um, and as part of that legacy we have certainly been in contact with a lot of different experiences um, and I think there's like uniformity in that we all as women at competitions have definitely felt either excluded from certain aspects of it, not felt like um, fully comfortable with certain elements of it, um, and have definitely felt frustrations um, in terms of like rubrics that we've seen, in terms of judging that we've seen. And so a lot of these frustrations have just been kind of mulling around our heads for years. And right. And so a lot of us have been kind of talking about this comp. We've been talking about this comp for, for years, for a long, long time about why it's so important for us to create something in our own vision um, that takes into account all of our unique experiences. And so I think, you know, while this is the first year that we've ever done this, this has been many years in the making um, as women who have just been in the circuit for so long. Uh, so I guess first things first, on Friday, we ha typically have like a mixer. We typically have teams coming in, checking in. What are some examples? I think the last example was, you know, kind of the suggestive games that are getting played at mixers in front of little kids. What are examples, I guess, of maybe instances where there were some kind of tone deaf or um, maybe just like items at, at, at any of these events on a Friday that just, you know, rubbed you guys the wrong way? Um, yeah, so I definitely think like the example that we provided last time um, is a good like starting point for why mixers, I think, don't not just work for women, but I think mixers don't really work for anybody. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think I like the phrasing of how you asked that question, Rama. I like that you know, you're considering it as tone deaf because I think it's exactly that. And, like an example of a game, yeah. for example, we probably all went to a comp where you have to do like the tissue box on your butt and like put the ball into the tissue box, like the yeah. twerking game, right? Like yeah. if you have like, literally I've been to a competition where every single person or every single team on the lineup was an all guys team or a co-ed team with like six or less girls on it, but mostly guys. And DCBC was the only all girls team at that in that lineup. And it's so uncomfortable to be 
in a line of eight people, eight guys, and be the one girl who has to twerk to do this yeah. game. And guess it what? We love twerking. Some of us <laughs> love to twerk, but I, I sure as shit don't want to twerk in front of seven other dudes and, and a bug on mixer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like another game is like the one where you take the balloon, put it on your waist, and then someone else has to like hump you to pop the balloon. Like, yeah. come on now. Like, what it, what's the point of that? It's funny maybe to the guys because it's like a joke. Yeah, they're like, oh, oh. to women who are being watched by other guys in that room, it's uncomfortable. And like, yeah. some people are comfortable with that. And that's awesome, but we shouldn't be able to, we shouldn't be forcing women to do that kind of stuff. Or like, there's that one competition where they had like a bull. Like a the, oh my the, god oh my god this is the worst sorry guys we're going off now we're like remembering all these horrible games but um, there was one competition where there was like a mechanical bull and it was really sad because like all the guys would go and hey they lasted like thirty seconds and a minute whatever and then the uh, you know there was like it was us and another girls team I think and when the girl went on it was really sexual because guess what that's what it looks like when you actually ride a bull properly and it was just extremely uncomfortable to like be in the audience and kind of scan the room and see how the other guys guys are giggling about it talking to each other about it um and it's just like we we know that this competition does not end at 10 p.m when the show ends we all have to also interact with these people throughout saturday and then also at the after party and i can promise you that these like those moments that these mixers are setting the tone for the entire competition. And these are the kind of things that make us uncomfortable from honestly the very beginning of a competition. So I guess one of the things when we talk about mixing like mixer games, right? Like you've given a couple of bad examples. Um, so has there ever been mixer games that have either worked or do you think in terms of, you know, like games of the mixers or even the concept of a mixer, it seems kind of redundant. I mean, I would say personally, you know, I don't ever mix with people at mixers as much as I, yeah. I think. I, I I think the point of a mixer is supposed to be you're you don't know people and you come to a competition and then you're supposed to say hi to people and yeah. then you're supposed to like be friends and then move on. But I yeah, I think that concept has been a little lost. So in terms of like what you guys what you guys are doing at RDR, are you having a mixer? Are you have you thought of like any kind of good mixer yeah. games or is it more of a like a traditional like like social kind of event. Oh, Ram, I'm so glad that you asked this question <laughs> because our mixer is, is honestly going to look extremely different. Um, we are not playing any like of these weird, strange, joking games. Um, and I know this is going to sound very boring, but we're actually having a panel. Um, and the reason that we're doing this is because also important to note that a lot of folks from the Roanoke board um, come from all different types of professional backgrounds. Um, for example, yep. I work with young people and I do like curriculum programming for young people every single day. Um, and one of the things that I've seen be really effective in, in starting and sparking conversation is having like leaders of a field um, kind of answering questions and then throwing it back into the audience. So what we're doing is we've I've assembled a panel of um for women um, that have been in the circuit for a number of years. And we're going to be having a panel where we actually ask about, you know, not only the challenges and successes of being a part of the Bunger circuit, but how these have translated to um, life outside of, of Bunger and off of the stage um, in the hopes that we can kind of have like breakout groups where we are allowing space for the young women that come to our competition and older women that come to our competition to actually discuss these topics. Um, yep. And, and the, the, 
really the goal of this is, again, I really strongly believe that the mixer sets the tone for the competition. And a huge reason why we are doing this competition is to start a conversation about what makes us as women dancers in the Bonda circuit unique? Um, and then how can we find solidarity among that uniqueness and move forward in a more empowering way? And I think that, um, like the panel that we have, uh, Navneet will be one of the panelists, actually. Um, and it's, it's just going to lead to like really brilliant conversation that will hopefully allow people to feel extremely comfortable and, and have like that baseline um, um, comfortability when it comes to our competition, as opposed to maybe something like lack of that that we've experienced in others. With FCB, there have been times on Friday where we go to the mixer, we hang out for a little bit, and then we just try to go immediately to practice, right? And in like a panel conversation seems like it's a little bit more intensive and you also don't want to skimp something like this, right? Like you're not, you don't want to shortchange the conversation. How do you plan on it to be effective knowing that we have the competition coming up on Saturday? We, yeah, we have a pretty tight mixer schedule because we do not want to hold people for longer than they need to be there knowing very well that one, you know, mixers can be good at best and, horrible at worst and just a time crunch. I mean, a time suck. And so we, I mean, yeah, panels can be really intensive, but panels don't need to be more than 30 minutes long. Um, and so we're building it, the, the programming in such a way that we are making the panel be the like highlight of the, the mixers program. And we're really eliminating, um, all other games and kind of talking and, um, you know, people are kind of doing, um, like a opening, um, they're doing like an opening, like little icebreaker, but beyond that, we're not doing too, too much, um, you know, forced mingling. And I think that that is, we're doing that in large part because it's something that we feel really strongly about and that we believe is worth emphasizing and taking time on. And I mean, we'll have people out of there by eight 30. Also, I think we're creating a different environment. Like there's going to be probably like 90% of the room will be filled with women. And I think that will automatically be very different from any other mixer that most people have been to. And it'll be a unique experience and a unique feeling knowing that like, hey, I'm looking around. These are all the badass women of the Barnard Circuit here in one room. That is pretty fucking amazing. And I just think that in and of itself will be memorable to folks. And I think people will be engaged and excited about it just by being in that room. At least I hope. Um, So I think that'll help with the whole like urgency to get to practice or whatever you do afterwards. I think people will be excited to be there, even if it's for like two hours. Yeah. You know, so max. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting. And some of that tone deafness, is that going to come? Is that, would you say that's something that you'd give as like feedback or is that part of like what the panel is trying to address? Right. It's, you talked about, I think the direct statement was you wanted there to be a sense of solidarity and you wanted to make the panel conversation a, about empowering women moving forward. You know, I think on the last, I think the, the last time we talked and, and one of the things that we are continuing to talk about is um, the concept of, you know, after RDR is done, we, we're all still competitors. We're all still competing. We're all still going to go back out to these competitions. How would you start? Is is kind of that tone deafness and like the way the mixture games are being presented and picked? Is that going to be something that you're going to be addressing within the scope of the panel, or is that something that you hope to, you know, convey and kind of share from an experience standpoint for yeah. women to say that like, hey, when you guys go back to these comps or like if you're going to go to like Bung on the Berg or Bruin or et cetera, like all these places, like guys, you guys need to be aware that 
these certain things that you do, you know, like humping people might seem really funny at the time and it might seem really funny with your friends, but it's not funny for everybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a really good question. Um, we need to speak about these things and we need to say them explicitly um, in a way that, and I think that like, for example, if we're talking about like sexual harassment, if we're talking about sexual assault, both of which happen, honestly, frankly, at phone competitions, um, what makes me feel a lot of like, like comfort, comfortability, if you will, um, is knowing that, you know, there are women in that room that have experienced it and have lived through it and can honestly speak about it in a way that is extremely responsible. And as somebody who will be moderating the panel, that's going to be something that I really um, will be closely monitoring. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, we are going to talk about it because it needs to be talked about. And again, like Namit said, it's going to be a room filled with women. And the hope is that that will in, that will help that space be a more comfortable one in which we can discuss topics like these. And we will definitely begin the discussion by outlining some of the topics we may discuss um, just so that people are aware and, and ready to, you know, and if they need to leave, they can leave, you know, um, just because as someone who's a survivor, I know how difficult it can be to talk about these topics. But in terms of like my own rehabilitation, talking about it really helped. And now for a message from one of our sponsors. Romesh is the oldest Vardi maker in the circuit. He's been making Vardi for teens for over 15 years at this point. Currently, some of the teens that have recently bought from him are FCB, UNC, CMU, Cornell, Stanford, Furtile, DRP, UMD, and countless others. One of the recent changes he has come up with is a new way to buy completely custom Vardi. He promises the guarantee that you will not have to pay in full until you have received the product in your hand. Before teens used to have to pay everything up front, but after working with different colleges, he has figured out a smart way to make sure he can continue building trust with the teens as well. To contact him, shoot him a message on WhatsApp at 404-630-8934 or just email him at romeshvardi at gmail.com. In terms of Saturday, in terms of like the like the tech time, the competition itself, um, and then I mean I think we'll save the after party to be its own separate thing. But have you seen instances of kind of like inequality issues when it comes to you know tech time or the show itself, and and maybe even like the judges' feedback session and how the competition is being judged? You know, we just talked about respect for you know the decisions that are made, whether you know, it's, it's a female judge or a female captain, but have you felt that, or have you guys experienced a similar situation like that on Saturday of the competition itself when you guys are getting ready to dance or are dancing? I guess my personal experiences as a captain, it's just like, I don't have like the best language like Sanya or Mokda do, but for me, like stupid things that I do, or I used to do when I was captain, like before walking to judges meeting, the first time that I ever went into one, um, I think there were four guys and one girl on the panel and the feedback was fine. It was like nothing crazy, but every Bangladesh team expects. I feel like to a certain extent, every person kind of dismisses the judges meeting because they're like, oh, what are they really going to tell me? It's like kind of cookie cutter stuff. And I think we've all been disappointed for meetings, but I think it's more the dynamic in the room and how they treat a woman versus how they treat a, a male captain. Um, and the first meeting I ever went to by myself, I'm a solo captain of GCBC. I, I felt so weak and just invisible in that room and not because they said anything explicitly wrong or like mean to me but 
I didn't feel like I was a captain of a team and I put this whole set together and like, you know, led my team to this point. It, it was just kind of like dismissive in the way that they talked to me. And I don't think it was because of like our team being bad at the comp or anything like that. I, I felt like it was more, I was like one person against these like five people in this room. And I personally felt intimidated and scared. And after that point, after I, mean, I it was like a horrible moment for me in my Formula career and coming back out of that, like, all of DCBC laughs at this, but it's such a thing. Like I practice power poses before I go into judges meetings just to seem like when I go into that room, like I'm confident. And at the end of the day, who really has the power in that room? It's me. Like, yes, these people saw this seven minute performance and now they're going to judge me and like make me feel like, oh, this was wrong. This was wrong. This was, wrong, this was better. Blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, like what our team went through to get to that point where we all, all the work that we put in, like that should be what's powerful. That should be what changes the circuit. And like, so yeah, it's like stupid shit like that. Like I go do power pose in the bathroom before I walk in, like making sure I look confident and I feel good about being in that room regardless of like what I know I'm going to hear anyway. Uh, I don't know if that's like answering your question, but just like that's like an experience but, of like a captain, a woman captain in a thing. In a, in the what was it? What were the specific things that they said? Right. Was it something, was it just the tone or was it like specific statements that were said? Could you just give like an example, even if it's not like a, like the actual example itself, if you could just summarize like, the type of conversation, the type of language that was used in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, I think overall, things that I've heard that have made me feel just not feel less than, it's things like, oh, as a girls' teams, you guys should be using Bakian this way. Like, it didn't look good. Like, other girls' teams do Bakian better. We've had that said to us. <laughs> things like, oh, like, you know, you guys are a girls' team. It would have been nice to see a Gidda segment in there. It would have yeah. been a highlight moment. I've heard that in a judges meeting. Um, other things that we've heard, kind of like cookie cutter stuff, like, oh, you guys aren't athletic enough. Um, you know, you guys should be doing more jumps and bed gone. They should be in more, like, in better form. You should execute those better. Which, on a surface level, like, that seems like a credible piece of advice. Like, hey, work on your form. Totally fair, and I get it. And I'm sure lots of teams get that feedback. But how can it be that, like, we have guys' teams and dancers that we know and so you come to us and say, hey, your set actually has more jumps and bed gone than ours does, so I'm not really sure why they're saying hey, you guys aren't doing enough of those. So, like, things like that, I think people sometimes have blanket statements for girls' teams and judges' meetings that are just not true um, and, like, aren't really based in the rubric or based on what they actually saw that night. It's just their perception and their bias coming into the competition about what they might have about women's teams, you know? Other things that we've heard that have been really um, just disappointing, it's like, oh, going into oh, – I lost my time about it. I don't know. I'm just so angry right now. Think about all the moments. <laughs> a lot of this, I think the issue also, and, and this is where our competition becomes difficult to articulate at times, because a lot of this is what is not explicit, like what cannot yeah. be given as an example, but can rather only be explained as a gut feeling. Yeah. And I know that that brings into question our credibility when we're talking about this, but I can promise you that if you were to pull other women across the circuit, they can also say that they have felt this. And I don't know. And that's also just an experience of being a woman in the world. Like is sometimes there, you cannot point to something and say that right there was the sentence that bugged me, but you can just, you just walk away from things feeling like, I don't know. Like I just wasn't taken seriously and I, I wasn't treated as an equal. Like, and I, I think that like, Namid, you brought up good points, but then there's also just the general, like, and it's not even necessarily a tone. I don't really know how right. to explain this, but I think that's also a piece of this whole thing is that like, yeah, we're trying to create like concrete steps forward. We're trying to create tools and strategies, but we're also trying to validate that gut feeling that so many of us have had. 
and just to double down on that too. Um, so I recently had the opportunity to like judge a competition and there was another woman on the panel and there was two other guys, there was four of us. And afterwards, totally not to harp on anyone who's a part of it. Like, I don't think it's anyone's explicit fault or anything like that. But one of the people who was running the judging and registration, she came up to me and the other woman on the, the panel being like, in tears saying that was so painful for me to watch as just a bystander to see the way that you guys were treated in that deliberation to see how women are easily just ignored or talking over like people don't value what they have to say and like the fact that like okay if i'm experiencing it myself maybe i'm just like thinking too much about it or i'm like analyzing things that shouldn't be analyzed or whatever so i might feel something but like an outside person who has nothing to do with what you were talking about or doing in that room is like in tears because of how they saw people treating you I think that says something that's, that's like an experience that's that it. it's like so hard to describe like I don't know a specific example like I just remember how she felt and the way she talked to me and how I'm sorry she felt she's like this is why I want to run my own team this is why I want, I'm so excited to be captain of my team because I want people to understand that hey my voice matters and it's just so sad to see that our voices aren't as important right now or like to see it explicitly in that moment you know I don't know sorry just random thoughts yeah um in terms of the in terms of the after party conversation, um, I know we spoke last time about um, or we spoke at, at length about the after party in some aspects. Um, I wanted to just touch touch on a couple of things that were said around you know the inappropriate shit that happens at after parties, right? Um, what's kind of happened? What's been your experiences? And also talk to me a lot about you know where do you think that came from? Like what enabled and allowed for something like that to happen? Because I, I kind of reflected, you know, about what we talked about. And, um, I, I can honestly say you talk to anybody about what happened and some of the things that are, you're you're probably going to talk about and everyone will say that it's bad, but it stems from somewhere. Right. And there's some gaps in, you know, I, I, I'm curious to understand what your guys' perspective are or where the gaps are that allows those kinds of things to happen. So if we could just get started with, you know, what are some of the issues that you've seen in after parties? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I think the after parties are kind of a a hot mess when it comes to, you know, the question of like, what is wrong with after parties? I will start very superficial. Like one of the things that pisses me off is that when, before we as DCBC ever walk into an after party, we always pledge to each other. We look at each other and we say, all right, we're sticking together tonight. And we are like, we literally form a very tight circle and we like to dance at after parties. Trust me, we like to throw down, but we do so in our very tight knit circle um, because physically there isn't space for us at after parties. Just think about physically. I got punched. Oh my God. Yes. I got punched in the eye at two separate after parties because of a man doing a freaking full gut, like all out at a after party. Now I know that that's not necessarily in things that we can monitor and like stop people from dancing. And I'm not telling people to do that, but I think that that's like indicative of the mentality that, that a lot of men in the circuit have that it's like, Hey, this is my space and I'm going to take up as much of it as I want. Um, and if I punch someone, I punch someone. And I think that like the reason why 
like, why should we have to, like, the after party is supposed to be the moment where we're all celebrating our hard work and, like, cooling off and, like, letting it all out. Um, why do we have that conversation before every after party that, hey, like, just let me know if, if you are uncomfortable, we can leave, like, all these things. Why do we need to do that? We have to do that every single day as women. Like, anytime we leave any place at night, we're like, text me when you get home. I have your location. You know, like, why does that have to happen in a space where we are, you know, we're there as, as guests of someone, right. Of, of a competition. And I think that that's kind of like a good superficial start, I think, to discussing what's wrong with after parties. I also think, I think this is bigger than just the Farmer circuit or like dance competitions and after parties. But I do think, and I think I could personally talk about this for hours and write research papers and all of this, but I think in the South Asian, especially South Asian American narrative there are like, the groups I've been a part of, there's a like toxic and problematic culture around drinking and substance use. And I think it gets amplified in these settings that are supposed to be celebratory and fun. And there's an assumption that having fun should be only one way. Having said that, I love a good drink. I love to, you know, be with my, like my team dancing, you know, feeling the buzz, all of that. So not to say that that's what I'm trying to say here, but I do think that there's like this problematic aspect of like, let's chug a certain amount of this or a certain amount of that, or let's keep drinking into oblivion or pushing our teammates to act a certain way and be a certain way. When honestly, I every time I am about to go to an after party, I get so excited because I just love listening to Bangana and Bollywood music and dancing with people who love to do that. But then I remember what it's going to be like of like these of sweaty people, like not knowing personal space, like what I was talking about, but also being under the influence in such a way that they're not themselves. And then personally, as a woman, just speaking for myself, I that's when I get nervous about when things get out of my control and my, and meaning like I'm in a situation where I'm not in control of what's going on or things can happen or I, then I do what Mukta said of like wanting to stick with your team. Um, so for me, it's like a larger issue that we don't, that's another thing I feel like we don't talk about enough that again, it's not just true to the Barna circuit, but maybe to like South Asians and not just South Asians, of course, but and what do you think enables that right like i i see really crappy stuff at after parties i've had to personally step in to you know as captain of a co-ed team i've had to personally step in and tell people to not touch girls on my team right and you know there's a i think in isolation like my events are i would say and what happened to you know the people on my team might be looked at as one-off events but you keep hearing stories of bad behavior kind of every single time it happens a lot. It just happens a lot. It happens a lot of after parties. So have you put thoughts on like limiting, limiting the number of people at the after party, limiting the number of guys, being more vocal about things? Or, you know, what's what's going to be the kind of main, main thing that's going to happen when it comes to policing the after party for things like that? So I think it's a really complicated question. Our team's definitely had a number of discussions about how we want to go about the after party, whether we just want to keep it to people on the roster, whether we want to have teams that do have male counterparts, do we allow those folks in? But then what about other guys or like significant others that want to come? Like how do we, where do we draw the line about who's allowed and who's not? I think it's such a great area. Um, And one thing that we're doing is we're not going to like publicly make a Facebook event about our after party so that Every, anyone and anyone, anyone and everyone can come to it. It's mostly just word of mouth. Those folks who are interested in coming and follow like our specific social media accounts or BTF, this is who it's for. Um, I think that's our one thing that we're implementing um, in terms of advertisement. Second, when it comes to the actual after party, I think this is kind of what Tasani was saying before. Like we're going to try our hardest to make sure that everyone feels comfortable and safe in this environment, but there is only so much we can do 
um, we don't have the answers. And I don't know if it's on Ronak to find the answer to end sexual assault at after parties or to have a car <laughs> right. where there isn't any. Like, no, it's, we don't have the training to do that. Yeah, we don't have the training. You know, we're gonna so try we can't hard. physically stop men. <laughs> yeah, like what what can we do? Like really, it's like what is everyone else gonna do when they're at this party and they see mostly women? Like how are they seeing this? You know, like there's only having this conversation. I think when people listen to it, hopefully this will change their behavior at the after party. But I don't know. That's such a tough question to answer. Like, oh, what are we gonna do to make sure that the party is better for people? Like, we're gonna try our best, but I don't think we have the answer. And no means we've had like extensive conversations of like, okay, what is appropriate? Do we need to have multiple security guards there? Like, how do you want to check IDs? Like things like that. We're considering those and thinking about those. And I think we're still getting there. Um, but I don't know. I, I think the after party is also in the hotel. So hopefully that'll make it a little bit easier. It's not like a public place where anyone can just walk into a bar and be like, Hey, I want to go to this. It's you know, within the, the competition's purview, I guess. I wanted to touch on the Gug and Molly stuff. I feel like it's very, so I think the Gug and Molly stuff is like, is very dumb in certain ways because I think everyone can agree that girls should dance. I think his comments were clarified to there. There's a guy's league and a girl's league. So I, I wanted to get your perspective on what he said and the reaction to it. Right. Because everybody talked about it. You know, like every, I, I think someone, I think he screenshotted himself, like his DMs on his Instagram and it was just all women and it was just not in a good way, right? Like they were just like going after him. But I wanted your thoughts on what he said and like how he said it, because I think a lot of people are going after him about his comments around, you know, it seemed like it came off that women should not be dancing. But what was your takeaway from the whole situation, right? Like he, he seemed to clarify it, but like, I don't know. It just didn't seem like a very thoughtful thing for him to do. Maybe it was. I just, I guess I couldn't get the job because I don't speak or read Punjabi, but. Cool. Yeah. So Gagan Mali is a very well-respected dancer, especially in the very folk traditional circuits. Um, he danced in India. I think it was uh, for Punjab University. I can't quite recall which college, but he did that for a while, then came to Canada, I believe, and does a lot of teaching and coaching there. Um, and on Instagram, he posted this story saying, oh, it's not folk or traditional for girls to be doing Bhangra. And he posted like a little poll on the stories and asked what people's opinions were. And all the folks that he responded to publicly on his story agreed with him and said, yes, girls should not be doing Bhangra. It's for women, uh, for men. And it's most folk that way. It's better that way. And so then there was this outburst from the rest of the Bhangra community and the dance community in general explaining, oh, hey. Like, girls can actually do Bhangra, and then the hashtag went viral about girls can do Bhangra. And, yeah, and there were some pretty crazy memes <laughs> for Ronak, too. I mean, it was, like, free publicity for us, but we realized, like, this is quite problematic, um, just beyond promo for us, but just for the circuit in general. So, I mean, in terms of him clarifying his comments, I just want to touch on what he clarified. He literally said, oh, I've done a Bhangra video with a girl before. I never said they can't dance. And I think... <laughs> A lot of people were like, oh, that's like saying, hey, I have a black friend. I'm not racist, which we all know right. is not true. Yeah. Like, sure, you probably have a wife and you have a sister. So, of course, you're a feminist. Like, of course, you want women to be equal. Like, this, that to me, that's not even clarifying. I think the real issue there is the fact that he even felt the need to say, hey, traditional and folk bhangra is supposed to be for men and men only. I think that's like there was a page where he said like, it has said bhangra and like it talks about like what is considered traditional bhangra steps and what is required for a proper folk performance and then 
right below that, it said Gidda, and it also talks about the elements of a like folk Gidda performance. And he talks about how all the verbs were parsed so that it's like all male uh, conjugations in the Bona piece, and in the Gidda piece, it's all feminine conjugation. So, like, to me, the problem there wasn't like, oh, hey, we know girls can do bhangra, like, they should be able to do bhangra, and everyone's rallying for all these girls, like, yeah, that's like a baseline, like, yes, girls can do bhangra, like, I can do anything, we can all do anything, it's fine. I think his comments, I think the reason why it really sparked so much anger and frustration from the circuit is just because it's, it's 2020 almost, and we are still talking about this thing, like, if we're really talking about folk bhangra, like, who, who here is a farmer? Who here is celebrating their crops? Like, are any of us truly, like, that specific type of person who started Bhangra? No. Like, are we, like, 500 years ago when they first started celebrating Bisaki and all the crops? Like, that is, none of us do that now. We do it because it's fun. Are we Punjabi? Are we, like, are people who are doing cir- in the circuit Punjabi? Like, if that's, if it's a conversation with folk or not, I'm like, not. <laughs> like, okay, well, then, yeah, let's really talk about what's folk. Are there non-Punjabi people doing Bhangra? Yes. Are there non-Sikh people doing Bhangra? Yes. But we're not going out there and be like, oh, they should do Pongra too, or oh, like they shouldn't do Pongra. Like it's not, it's just why why does traditionality have to do with gender versus all the other elements that go into what it means to be traditional folk Pongra performances? You know? I don't know. That's why it really got to me. Like as someone who is like Sikh and Punjabi, like Pongra is like really like my community's thing. Like it came from us, right? And so it really bothers me too, right? Like why, why? Why? I, yeah, I'm so angry. Sorry, I've been very frustrated this whole entire conversation because it just like brought up so many memories and so many experiences that I've had in the circuit. But I don't know. It, it just really is just disappointing that people felt like, oh, it's enough. Like Gagan Malik clarified his comments and everyone rallied around it, made videos, posted videos. And girls can do porn too. That's it. Let's stop talking about it. Like it's this is not it. Like why? There's so much more. It's not the takeaway. You, yeah, right. Like, was it was it disappointing? Because I, I'm I, I personally. I'm not someone who does the whole like Facebook changing their profile picture thing for whatever cause is happening at the moment. Did it bother you when a lot of people just like posted their Instagram stories or added an Instagram picture that said like women can do bhangra and that was it? Because it seems to me that that's regressive in the fact that <laughs> nothing actually happened in some ways, right? Like I, I don't know if that if you felt that way personally about that, but yeah, I think that I think for me, like it was great to see so many people like knowing what's going on and reposting this picture and you know things like that but I think also like are you are you like just talking the talk or are you walking the walk like are you supporting women in your life not just in the Bona circuit but in like their existence in general are you support like especially if you're in the South Asian community are you I don't know do you respect your mother your sister your grandmother do you recognize that they can do legitimately everything that they want to do and more just like Naveen said and, so, but I think, and I also think that Namit's point of like, whenever we like, I, I think that like this concept of traditionality goes beyond just Bangla, like a lot of traditional concepts that we have in our South Asian culture is very much delineated on gender lines um, versus like literally all the other lines that it can be. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that I would like for us to also like ask people to to think about those aspects too because all these things go hand in hand right like if we look beyond just Bhangra like for example I was a Bharatanatyam dancer growing up and that was is a traditionally male art form too and that was because women were not it wasn't respectable for women to dance in public right and that is a, a product of a whole other system of like oppression right so I mean it's 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 so much broader than Bhangra and like 
I, I just, I, <laughs> I'm getting mad too, but I'm just kind of like, we all need to like, it, it's so it's yes. Hashtag girl. What is it? Women can, can do it is very valid because that is one value that we hold and we want to showcase through our competition. But again, I hope that we are trying to like take steps and, and, um, build in programming to, to bring up so many other hashtags too, you know? I was just going to say really quickly that I think that what Gagan Mali said or, the, you know, it, like it's problematic and it's terrible. And like, like Rami was saying like, oh, like most people think that girls can do Bangra. And like, yes, like that was a really like, as a woman in Bangra, like a, not a great thing to see or hear. But though that's not also just, it's not this overt sexism that's happening in Bangra that's the problem. It's the microaggressions or like the like nuanced things that the things that we were having such trouble like articulating, like those gut feelings, like those are yep. also part of the day-to-day experiences. So like, just addressing these like overtly problematic, misogynistic, like, you know, patriarchal comments is not like the end all be all. In fact, that's like literally step one point, like step point five. Like it's everything else that's actually what you live in, live with day in, day out that like is what killed. Sorry, Nav, go ahead. No, no, you're good. I think, and to address your point, Ram, about the two leagues, um, I know a lot of people have said, oh, like, he was just saying that guys should be competing with guys only and girls should be competing with girls only. Mm. You should have like separate teams mm. and separate competitions and what not categories. Mm. And I know, I think we talked about this when we initially started com- uh, conversations about Rarok, but I know like, you know, many years ago, lots of prominent girls teams worked really hard to eliminate this guys category and girls category from competitions. At that time and in that context, that was important for women to progress in Bangra. Like that's what they needed to be equals in that moment, in the early 2000s. But now when we're thinking about today and about what women, what women and non-binary folks need in the circuit, it's not these categories. We need to be considered equals and be in situations where we are respected as dancers, as leaders, as decision makers, and creating these two separate leagues promotes this idea that, oh, we can't compete with men because we are not good enough, or we do not have the same style, or we aren't folk enough, or whatever the enough is. Like, that's what creating these two categories then now represents, in today's context. Definitely not taking away from all the hard work of the teams that did this many years ago, but I think the context is so different, and the world that we live in is so different. I think what it means to be woke today is so different from what it means to be woke in 2005. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Ron, can I, yeah. can I do your job for a second? <laughs> so I'm sure people who just heard that, their response would be, hey, but you're creating an all-women's competition right now. Aren't you inherently creating a separate um, league for women right now through your competition? And that's a fair question to ask. To me, the reason why we're putting Ronak on is not to say, hey, women need their own competition because they – can't compete with men. It's, hey, there are so many amazing women and non-binary folks in the Bangra circuit that need to be celebrated that don't often have space in their current competitions, in their teams, at their schools to be recognized and to be celebrated. We're creating a platform for these underrepresented folks to come and perform and do what they do best. And it's not to create two categories of like, oh, we need our own competition. It's so much beyond that. It's like, hey, here are all the people you didn't know existed, but are actually right. really good at what they do. And it's, and it's celebrate. a lot of things that you talked about earlier in terms of the specific roles on a team. It's really for people to come to a place where they can try out new experiences and not be judged for it, right? Like someone might be X, Y, and Z dancer on yeah. X, Y, and Z team, but now they get to do choreography or they get to make a mix for the first time, right? And you'll be just treated right. equally for making that mix, not being treated separately and different. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, it is 
It is 8.18. I don't know if I want to talk about Guggen more. I feel like if we talk about, I feel like we're at a point where if we talk about more anger inducing things, like you guys, like certain, you guys might like combust into like. No, no, listen, our, our tolerance level is extremely high for anger. Because that's just what it is to be a woman. It's constantly angry. No, this, is, this has actually been, I don't know if, I, Omar, I can't speak for you and I don't know if you're even out there. You, you have to be, I'm assuming. Because cause I'll be honest, a lot that was very very fantastic like i think there's a lot of things especially once you guys tapped into your anger that i think needed <laughs> to be said that i don't think a lot of people have, have heard right like i think the conversations around you know you know why you were doing certain things some of the you know point like the, the call outs toward the more subtle things that happen the subtle misogynistic things like even this whole traditionality with gug and molly right like you're kind of masking kind of the oppression of a certain group of people behind this thing of traditionality. And people are just going to say like, Oh, like because it's traditional, we could just say women can't do this. Or like, because it's traditionally done like this, we're like, we have to like, you know, you start asking the question is like calling something like a traditional folk dance and saying that we should do things traditionally is like, is traditionality really the right thing to do? If it makes a bunch of people marginalized and pisses them off, like probably not. Right. And I think through the conversation that we just had, I'm really happy because I think, you guys, like I, I normally am way more talkative, but it was really eye-opening to me. I like wrote down a whole boatload of shit just because I did not, I did not get at like what you guys have to do on a day-to-day basis, and like that's really fucking eye-opening for me. If you like what you hear, everyone should come out to um, actually see the show. It's, it's definitely going to be fantastic. Um, it's going to be taking place on August 10th at the Rachel M. Schlesinger Concert Hall and Art Center in Alexandria, Virginia. Um, the show is going to start at 7, but doors are going to be opening at um, 6. And we are going to have vendors and food in the um, lobby. So definitely check those out. They're some of our greatest community partners. Um, including Panchthara, which is our exclusive food vendor. And again, the show is going to start promptly at 7. I'm emceeing, so I will make sure it starts at 7. <laughs> but it's definitely going to be fantastic. And tickets are on sale. Um, and we are hoping that we're going to sell out. So make sure you buy your ticket um, as soon as you can. And our ticketing um, information can be found on our website or on our social media pages as well. <laughs> <laughs>